Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Greenbar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Greenbar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Billiken win! Billiken win! Now, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Well, thank you very much, and great to have Graybar as our sponsor. They are in, and they've been a great sponsor of our radio station and our sports programming for some time, and we appreciate them being not only the title sponsor of Sports on a Sunday Morning, but also Sports Open Line. So Graybar has jumped in, and we appreciate them very much. What a terrific uh, run this has been with them. They'll be in on some of our baseball coverage as well. Baseball is a little over a week away. We have Cardinal Baseball coming your way on February 25th from Jupiter, Florida. But pitchers and catchers, as you know, report on February 14th. But they'll be there earlier if they're in the World Baseball Classic. And really, most of them are down there already. Mike Claiborne's been down there for a while. He's noticed more cars showing up in the parking lot. That means more guys are checking in, getting to their locker training, working, and getting ready for the official reporting date. But as usual, the Cardinals get down there pretty quickly. And this is starting to feel good around St. Louis, I'll tell you that, with uh, Scott Jagow just giving us a high of, what was that, 60 degrees just about, 58 today? That's good. With some sun, starts to get us thinking about spring a little bit. I'm sure we're going to get teased here, and then things are going to drop back down. But it looks like over the next couple of weeks, or at least the next week and a half, we're getting a high of almost 50 degrees every day here in St. Louis. So that's going to start giving us some thought about spring and spring training. And I have plenty of thoughts on the Cardinals. We'll, on the back half of the show from 1130 to 12, go all Cardinals. We'll have John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations, joining us live today at 1130. At 1145, you'll hear from the television voice of the Cardinals, Chip Carey from Bally Sports Midwest. He is excited as can be to be back home. He grew up here, Parkway West, 
and his mom still lives here. His mom lives in Franklin County, so he is back home and working for Bally as he'll be the television voice of the Cardinals in 2023 and beyond. So we're excited for him. A great friend of our radio station and of the Cardinals for a long time, as you know. Uh, grew up here, as I mentioned. His grandfather, Harry Carey, his dad, Skip Carey. Uh, he went all over the place to Seattle and to actually started with the Orlando Magic. Then he had some stints with uh, the Cubs and with Seattle. Uh, made his way to Atlanta, worked for Turner, uh, worked for Peachtree TV, worked for Turner and Valley Sports South and Southeast. And now after about two decades with the Atlanta Braves, he has been named the television voice of the Cardinals. So we'll hear him at about 1145 this morning. John Mosellock before that. 1115, Jerry Palm. It, you know, if Jerry Palm's coming on the show, it's that time of year. The CBS Sports Bracketologist doesn't do a lot of these, I don't think, but he does them for us. He comes on and tells us who he thinks is in the field of 68, and we'll sort that out for you. I don't think St. Louis University is going to be on his bracket. Uh, the Billikens have lost back-to-back -back games. They fell to Fordham. They fell to VCU. I know the world seems to be crashing down on them uh, in terms of criticism, but there's basketball still for them to be played. And what I would hope, and we're going to talk to Travis Ford about this in 20 minutes because he will join us live as well today, is that they find that it's almost like they need that. If I can explain, when you win six games in a row, I don't care what level you are, grade school, high school, college, pro, you start feeling good about yourself. And sometimes you play your best at this intense high level when you are doubted or when you have edge, you find out what kind of a championship team you are when you get challenged. And right now, I'm not sure the Billikens are in a better situation for that. If I could paint this thing one time with some silver lining, and then, of course, we'll get into the, the dirt of why this team is not very good right now. But if there's anything that you can hang on hope as a Billiken fan is that somehow, some way, they get this team to play with an edge, with a little bit of anger, with a little bit of desperation, like every game could be the end of their season. Because they aren't playing like that right now. At all. Losing to Fordham and losing to VCU, that's not what this Billikens team was supposed to be about. And Travis Ford will tell you that straight up here at 1030. This is not what they envisioned. And somehow, some way, they've got to get it throughout the players and the staff. Everybody has to be on the same page that this season could come to an end here very soon if they don't get it together. So that's where they are. And we'll talk to Travis about that at the bottom of the hour. He's always good to join us. I mean, he was quick to join us. So, I mean, win or lose, it doesn't matter. Travis Ford's going to come on the show. Uh, we don't... Uh, do anything other than offer him the opportunity and he takes it. So he likes talking basketball with us. I know there's a lot right now swirling around Travis Ford and his program. We'll see how they handle it. You know, if you're a good team, if you're a championship team and they're going to have to win the a 10 to get into the tournament, forget any out at large talk that's over. Uh, if, if they get into the a 10 tournament, they're going to have to, where well, they are, they'll have to win it as a high seed but if they keep falling back here, they're going to make it very hard on themselves. They've got to win the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament and then take their chances and see what happens. That's what they've done. That's where they are. And really, quite honestly, I think they were in this situation long ago uh, when they lost to SIUE at home and they lost to Boise State at home. 
that pretty much did them did them in. Speaking of SIUE, did you see the shot? I mean, it really is amazing. Sometimes basketball. Uh, this team at Stevens Center in Little Rock, Arkansas, hit a half court shot beyond half court, actually, uh, to win a ball game against Little Rock. I don't care how good Little Rock is. I don't care about anything except for the fact that SIUE has a little bit of magic going right now. And could they get into the NCAA tournament? Yes, they could. Uh, Rayshon Taylor hit a long three-point buzzer and a buzzer beater. And 84-81 was the final in that one. SIUE wins the ball game. (laughs) This is so much fun to watch a team that has come together and sometimes a little magic happens. That's exactly what's happened here. Brian Baroni's the head coach of SIUE. He said, as a coach, you dream of drawing up a play to win games. This wasn't one of those. Reality is the players make the plays. Great decision by Shamar Wright to throw the ball to Rayshon Taylor, their play, their execution, Our SIUE men's basketball team gets a win. What a road win. Hashtag find a way. And congratulations to them. I mean, they did find a way. They won this game. Uh, They won it. And it's uh, the the SIUE or Southeast Missouri State, by the way, could win the OVC tournament and find themselves in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that, That could very well happen. In fact, there is a scenario somewhat far fetched but I'll paint it for you anyway, where you have five area teams in the NCAA tournament. Now, a lot of things are going to have to go their way, but uh, you have some great basketball teams in this area. I don't care which way you look at it. Mizzou's a good basketball team. Are they great? I'm not so sure. Illinois is a, I think a great basketball program that's playing a little bit under what they should be. But they're in the tournament too. Those two teams are going to get in. I can't see a scenario unless they complete Illinois in. If Mizzou were to completely fall apart, I think they still get in based on their quad one wins. But they've got a little work to do. But they're they're fine. Uh, SLU would have to win the A10 tournament. We already said that. Southern Illinois is going to be possibly at the top seed in Arch Madness. They've got work to do too. They're in a log jam at the top of that league, and they play today against Missouri State. They could get in. That's four. And then either SIUE or Southeast Missouri State. Simo lost yesterday, but you've got two teams fighting near the top of the OVC. It could very well happen that you could have five area teams. I can't remember the last time if that's ever happened, honestly. Um, So really nice job by those programs. And this is it right here. This is SIUE and Little Rock. Right. Gives it off to Rayshon Taylor. The heave. Oh, he got it! Unbelievable! Rayshon Taylor knocks it down to win it for SIUE. They're going to review it. I think he got it off. What a shot by Rayshon Taylor. That's not the look they wanted. Two dribbles lets it go. It's hard to see from that angle because you couldn't see the shot. I mean, the, the, it's not the announcer's fault. It's the official's fault for even reviewing it. This is easily in. I mean, he let the ball go with the, with the light on the uh, – the light had not gone off yet. A g- unbelievable shot from beyond half court. 
that, by the way, made SportsCenter. Great job by Rayshon Taylor and SIUE for a terrific win. Now, back to the not-so-good, and that is that Mizzou lost to Missouri State. Final was 63-52. Missouri, a team that's a top-10 team in the country in scoring. They went into this game ranked 7th, possibly 8th by yesterday in scoring in the country and lost the game scoring only 52 points. I don't care who you are. If you score 52 points, you're probably not going to win the game unless you're like Wisconsin or somebody in Virginia that slows the game down considerably. But Missouri won this game, and they were 6 of 23 from 3. Mississippi State was just 3 of 20 from beyond the arc. But all you need to point to is just overall field goals. Missouri was not good. They shot 32%, 16 of 50. So if they're hot from three, Missouri will beat you. If they're not, they're probably not. Uh, It really comes down to that. In a lot of cases, they beat Illinois and Kentucky because they were sizzling hot from three. They beat Iowa State because they were sizzling hot from three. Uh, This time, not so much. Now, Kobe Brown uh, gave it all that he had. He had 10 points and seven rebounds, but he was 0 for 5 from three. When he starts knocking down threes, you're in trouble. Uh, Des Moines Hodge, 1 of 5 from three. Again, when he starts knocking them down, They can get super, super hot. That was not the case yesterday, and they lost to Mississippi State. If I'm a Missouri fan, I'm not worried about it. Shake it off. It's a road loss in the SEC. It happens. They beat LSU a couple of days before that. Now you have a favorable game against South Carolina. Can't overlook it necessarily because South Carolina could sneak up on anybody even though they're 8-15 and this year. You just never know. And then you're going to have two tough ones. you got to get this South Carolina game if you're Mizzou on Tuesday because you're going to Tennessee and Auburn. And that, my friends, is going to be some tough sledding against those two. Uh, Tennessee, speaking of low-scoring games, beat Auburn yesterday, but it was a slugfest, 46-43. Tennessee just does what it has to do to win. Auburn gave them nothing, no looks, no uh, lanes to drive, no passing lanes, nothing. And Tennessee, the second-ranked team in the country, found a way to pick up victory in that game anyway. 46-43 was the final. They could be number one, although Tennessee lost uh, in their game before that. Uh, Tennessee, the number two team in the country going into this week, but they have had some bumps in the road. They lost to Florida and got drilled, actually, by 13 in what was not a very competitive game for them. Then they come back. They lost that one 67-54, and they win this one 46-43. So they've scored 100 points in two games. They're averaging 50 a game here in the month of February. That is not going to be good enough for the number two team in the country. I don't know who's going to be number one here. The number one team in the country yesterday lost at Indiana. Now, before you call that an upset, uh, Indiana was favored by a point and a half. They beat uh, Purdue there last year when Purdue was ranked fourth. Indiana's a pretty good team. Uh, they found a way to win. They were up by 16 in the ball game and ended up winning it by four. Uh, let's see. They won it by five, 79-74. Uh, but they were up by 16. Purdue narrowed that thing all the way down to a one-possession game, but they weren't able to overtake IU. Trace Jackson Davis had 25. Zach Eady for Purdue is just unreal. A 7-4 center. He was 15 of 19 from the floor. That's just insane. He had 33 points and 18 rebounds. He's the player of the year. 
And he's going to be in St. Louis probably. If he if he wins the Oscar Robertson Trophy, he'll be here on April 12th at the Missouri Athletic Club. Uh, but Indiana won that one, 79-74 over Purdue. Of course, full disclosure, IU alum here. I had a heck of a day. Uh, elsewhere, Lindenwood. Did you see this one? Lindenwood came back and beat Tennessee Martin 80 to 75. Congrats to everybody at Lindenwood. You know, this is not an easy transition for them whatsoever. Uh, but they earned a comeback win, a wild game, really, over a winning team. Uh, UT Martin was 7 and 4 in the Valley, 15 and 9 overall. They lose it. Uh, they had a big lead. They were up 16 to 5. They were up 24 to 9. They were up by 10, by 12 at halftime. But Lindenwood just chipped away. They found a way to come back. They took the lead and didn't let it go. And they won the game, 80-75 to over UT Martin. That's a nice win for the men's program at Lindenwood University, just trying to build something there. So congrats to them on a great win. Belmont beat Illinois State 90-75 to in the Missouri Valley Conference of local interest. But elsewhere in the Valley, this is just a crazy year in that league. Uh, Illinois-Chicago beat Evansville 70-61. to Murray State was fighting for a top spot in the league and got absolutely destroyed by Indiana State. 99-56. Like, what the heck? How, how does a team that good uh, lose by 43 points? That's the Valley for you. I mean, every once in a while, these talented players can put it together and drop 100 on you. Uh, Bradley won at Northern Iowa, 77-69. Drake needed double overtime to beat Valparaiso on the road, 85-82. So if you're looking at the standings here for the Missouri Valley Conference as we head into this month away from the final of Arch Madness, there's a three-way tie at the top. It's Drake, Belmont, and Bradley, all 10-4. and four based on their wins yesterday, but Southern Illinois could tie them again if they beat Missouri State later today. They play at 1 o'clock. Southern Illinois is 9-4, just a half game off the lead. Then you have Missouri State at 8-5, two teams at 8-6, Murray State and Northern Iowa, and then your bottom four are pretty much set. Illinois State, Valparaiso, UIC, and Evansville. They would play on Thursday as part of a four-game set, then four more games on Friday two on Saturday, and a championship on March 5th, Sunday. You talk about value for your dollar, Arch Madness is it, period. That's great high-level college basketball right here in our backyard with the winner of that tournament going to the NCAA tournament. So that should get you caught up on college basketball. We do have uh, Travis Ford joining us at the bottom of the hour, 1045 Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway, is going to discuss what's happening in Los Angeles with NASCAR running another race there today. At 11.15, Jerry Palm. At 11.30, John Mozalock. At 11.45, Chip Carey. We're loaded. We're going to have some fun. It's 10.23 from the Stiefel Sports Studio. Sports on a Sunday morning, sponsored by Graybar. And again, thank you to Graybar for rejoining us. It's KMOX. Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Millikens win! Millikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. All right, before we get to Travis Ford, and we will do that in the next segment, just one other thing, and that is hockey. The NHL All-Star game has come and gone. I don't even know if you noticed it or not. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, you did. If you're a casual sports fan, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, you know, I've been saying this for years. I'm not a big All-Star game person, except for baseball. I've always enjoyed the baseball one. I'm not a home run derby guy whatsoever. I mean, never. Well, 
take that back. When when McGuire, um, you know, was doing his thing before we knew about the the, the performance enhancing drugs and steroids and all that stuff, the McGuire home run that he hit uh, near the turnpike at Fenway Park in ninety nine or whatever NBA was All-Star? unbelievable. Uh, NBA All Star game, they just don't play defense, Drew. That's they just true. you know they just kind of throw the ball around and dunk. I mean, it's <laughs> it's great to see them all, but it's not competitive at all. Um, I like the all-star game for baseball because they wear, well, I actually, they don't do that anymore. They used to wear the uniforms so you could see them in the starting lineup. You'd see, Oh, those are the Cardinals right there. Now they all wear the same uniform. Like, just, I don't know. I, I, the pro bowl was always a joke. And then they finally scrapped that. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what they do now. It's completely, I, I, really don't even know what they're doing uh, in the NFL with the Pro Bowl. It's like it kind of comes and goes. I don't get that at all. Uh, the NHL, they do a skills challenge. I'm not sure that the guys even understood what the format was. or that I don't think they take it seriously. I think they maybe get concerned about getting hurt. And I don't know what the incentive is really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the All-Star game itself just tends to be a bunch of goals and not much, you know, why, why would they play a competitive game? game and, and risk getting hurt and all. I don't know. It's just not, a, I guess what I'm saying is, should we rethink all-star games? I, I know they're money makers and I get it, but what can, what can they do differently to make it attractive and interesting to the leagues or do they care? Is it just, you know, a fun way for sponsors to get together and, and a bunch of people to be able to interview. I mean, from a media standpoint, the all-star game is pretty cool because mm-hmm. we get to go talk to all the players on other teams that normally you wouldn't have as much time to chat uh, they they make it greatly accessible to the media. In fact, the first time I really sat down and talked to Paul Goldschmidt was back in 2016 when he was with the Diamondbacks. And we sat there in San Diego and had a great conversation. And I walked away thinking, man, what a player, what a guy. Yeah. You know that he'd be a great Cardinal. Like, I wish the Cardinals had somebody. So, so you like have a that. hand in it then? No, I don't. But <laughs> I, I just thought that. And then, but. So from a media standpoint, it's great. I'm sure the NBA, you know, they all get together and go to parties and they get to talk to all the players they wouldn't normally get to chat with and all that stuff. But from a viewer, I just it just doesn't do it for me. It, I, sports, I need competition. That's why this live tour doesn't do anything for me. It, it's what what are they playing for? They're they're good players. I got that. Uh, but what what as a viewer, what am I watching? I mean, what. Don't I want to watch them chase a prize? Like they already got the prize. They already got the money to play in this thing. So it's like the live tour to me is just a an all-star game yeah. every week. And that's so boring. It's so boring. Anyway, back to the NHL All-Star game. Matthew Kachuk scored seven points in two games. The Atlantic Division wins. You know, why are they playing multiple games and divisions? And I mean, I could sort all the rules out for you if you really want to know. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko produced four points. Uh, in his all-star game, I think the bigger question is how many more days is he a St. Louis Blues forward? How many more days is Ryan O'Reilly? Are the Blues going to deal those free agents to be or not? So we'll certainly find that out here shortly. It's 1030. Travis Ford is next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. It's 10.33. It is a beautiful morning in St. Louis. It is a new day for Travis Ford and the St. Louis Billikens as they get back to work and try to brush off Friday night's loss to VCU, previous loss to Fordham. Coach, good morning. It's great to be with you as always. Uh, Good to be with you, Tom. Thank you. It is uh, the way you have to look at it, isn't it? I mean, you've got to take some things from those losses, obviously, and turn yourself around, but at the same time, you have basketball games to play. We're going to get into all that stuff. I, I understand we'll get into some X's and O's here, but bottom line is you have a basketball game on Tuesday night against Rhode Island, and you better be ready for it for an 8 o'clock tip, and I'm I'm certain that you take a little bit of what you lost and also look ahead at your opponent. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, you know, that's life. you got to move on. You know, there's going to be setbacks, and we've had a few, and, Last week wasn't good to us. We didn't have a great week. And then when you, when you start about talk about wins and losses and uh, no question, you know, you get, can't dwell on it. You can't feel sorry for yourself. And that's true in life in general for anybody. You got to get up, move on and try to be better the next time. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, obviously very disappointed and frustrated that the, the week we had it, that we had and uh, disappointed in both losses and, uh, you know, thought we put ourselves in position to and really in both games with about 10 minutes to go, uh, just didn't finish games out. So we're trying to figure out how we can be better, how we can be better down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, uh, you know, you got to get ready for the next one and, uh, and, and learn from it. And for you personally, although I, I think I know your answer to this, cause you've coached a lot of programs and you've gone through your ups and downs. Um, you have to, just as you tell your players to block out outside noise, you have to do it too, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty much live in the office at this point and, you know, been trying to figure out, you know, game plan for Rhode Island, things like that. So yeah, you know, uh, you know, we, at this time of year, we're totally obviously dwelled into our team and you, you know, you're kind of in a cave, uh, yeah. And uh, you're spending time with your players and your team, trying to make them better, trying to watch tape of the teams you're playing. You're watching film of your last games, trying to how to improve. And, yeah, I mean, uh, all that other stuff has no significance. (laughs) Our players, we we tell our players before the season starts, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, uh, they're going to love it. You know, everybody's going to be happy when you win. And as soon as you lose, you know, things aren't going to be as – 
as good without a doubt, but none of that actually matters. It doesn't, you know, it can't affect how we play or what we do next. And, uh, you know, that's, but that's all part of it. Sure. I mean, the better the the fan base, the better the program, the better the hype, uh, the more uh, noise that comes and and expectations get raised and all of those things. But let's break down these two games if you can. So let's go in reverse just a little bit to Fordham. You played in the Bronx. You you warned us. We told the audience too. Fordham's good uh, for a reason. They're seventeen and four for a reason. They made it eighteen and four. Coach, how did they do it? Was it the pressure that they applied in the second half that that changed the game? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it's actually more about the seven-minute mark, eight-minute mark. Uh, they made a lot of physical plays against us, and we, you know, second shots, just uh, grabbing offensive rebounds, taking us physically one-on-one, and just, uh, you know, we were having a tough time stopping them one-on-one. And then they applied a lot of pressure on us full court. Didn't really trap a whole lot unless it was Yuri, uh, but did a good job of keeping the ball out of Yuri's hands. Uh, and just their pressure, physicality, uh, caused us a lot of problems uh, late in the game uh, on both ends of the court. Uh, and that was the difference in the game. Did they mix up defenses like you predicted that they would here on this show, that they might do a little tandem in three? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, and uh, it wasn't as much of that. That didn't cause us as much problem as was just the overall pressure uh, and then, you know, once we got to our spots on the court, as far as getting by the pressure, once we got by the pressure, we didn't finish. We didn't make some good decisions uh, in the paint. Uh, and they made us, you know, they made, they made us pay for it uh, and they converted. Coming off of that game, what were the days like leading up to VCU? What was the read on your team going into Friday? There was a lot of hype, as you know, about that Friday night atmosphere and game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's expected. Um, I mean, it was good. We, you know, we you get back late. Um, you know, one o'clock or whatever it was. We get back um, whatever Tuesday night or whatever, whenever we played Fordham. Uh, and you really don't get much done Wednesday. Just a lot of mental work uh, coming off the game, getting back late. So Wednesday's all mental, and they were really. You know, our team was great. Our team was really good. We. Um, had a had a, a good practice on Thursday, so yeah, they're you know can't you know these guys is you know we try to preach from all the time. You can't this especially this time of year, uh, and we've already alluded to it. You can't get too high, can't get too low. You got to move on to the next one. But we, yeah, they were they were they were ready to go. I, I don't I don't doubt that at all. And you came into the game against VCU. They took an early lead on you, and then you went on a 9-0 run um, and uh, took a seven-point lead, and then they punched right back, didn't they? I mean, obviously, it's a talented team over there, and they had a heck of a player. I mean, that Ace Baldwin Jr. is something else. He had 37 points in the game. How did he uh, fuel that for them? Yeah, it was all off the dribble. Um, just uh, created a lot of mismatches for us. Um, it was... You know, they did a lot of ball screening, and uh, once they got a matchup that they liked with him, uh, he was hard to stop once he got rolling. We tried a couple different things to try to slow him down from trapping him to switching ball screens to doing a little bit of everything. Uh, But he was still just so quick and shifty that he can get to his spots. And uh, 
he was ultra, ultra aggressive. Something, you know, he normally is not quite that aggressive looking to score. But I think he looked around and kind of said, hey, some of his other guys were struggling a little bit, and he was kind of feeling it um, and just went on an amazing run. And, you know, more or less was the difference in the game uh, for, you know, especially for them because, you know, we did a pretty good job on some other guys but just couldn't figure out how to stop him. You did. I mean, the final score was 73-65. They were able to pull away and finish it as they went on a – uh, 12-2 run in the final minutes. Uh, this game was back and forth, 16 lead changes in the ball game. You were tied 11 times. Uh, you had runs, both of you, back and forth. Uh, in the end, VCU had the final answer. Uh, when you look at your team, I mean, how do you, when you're at your best, how does SLU close games out? What's the best thing that you do to get that done? Ball movement. we got to get ball movement. It, it, we can't just to rely on individual talent. Uh, we've seen that. We've obviously looked at, you know, we're sitting here seven and three in the league um, and uh, it won six straight at one point. And the best thing we probably did, we played great team defense, but we really moved the ball with sharing the ball. And you know, go back and you look at it. It was everybody were getting touches and contributing guys off the bench, you know, uh, you know, the starters, but everybody was contributing 12, 14 points, uh, but we were getting touches. Um, and uh, it, that's when we're at our best. That's when we're at our best, when, we, when we're moving the ball and everybody's getting touches. I'm going to ask you, all of these are really team questions, because you know, if I start down the line with one player and this player and this player, we'll, we'll, we'll go all day. I, I really want it to be about team, because I know that, that you feel the same way. And you know, I, I said this before you came on the air. I said this earlier in the show, and, and I'll repeat it uh, to you, is that I feel like the best teams, the great ones, uh, they respond when they're down. Uh, and, and we're going to find out a lot about SLU, I said, uh, what kind of uh, edge and uh, desperation that they have. And, the, you know, as if every game could be your last. I, I, would, I would imagine you agree with me on that, that when you lose, not that a six-game winning streak as if the team slacked off or anything, but it, it's a natural thing. Human nature tells you that sometimes when you string together wins, you can start feeling really good. I, it's when you're feeling bad, how do, you, how do you get off the canvas? We'll find out on, on Tuesday against Rhode Island. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, it's a broad, uh, you know, we can judge it all based on Rhode Island or we can, you know, uh, you know, and we hope we obviously come back and, and win that game and we can, you know, but does that say we've cured everything just because if we go out and win a game, I don't, I don't, it's about consistency and we haven't done it enough this year, but I think in life in general, you learn more about yourself in adversity than you do sometimes when things are going well. Um, and that's what we've challenged our team with is we, we've kind of seen both sides of it here lately. We've seen where we've play, gone on the road and won at difficult places, gone on the road and won at teams that are really playing well now. Uh, we've won here at home against teams that are playing really well right now. But we've also had our issues. Um, and, uh, you know, we need to learn from all circumstances, all the uh, situations we put in, good and bad, um, and unfortunately, again, like sometimes you learn more about yourself and when, uh, if, if you're tough minded, if you, um, 
you know, if you care, then then you will respond, as you said. I think you'll get to see, and we've told our team that, you know, how good are we? What are, what are we made of? How good, you know, what is our team? Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got a lot of opportunities left. We're sitting here in second place in the league, one game out, uh, seven and three in the league, and still a lot of basketball to be played. And uh, I, I agree with you. There, you know, we, we get to really see what our team is made of. Um, and I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see. We, you know, we didn't practice yesterday. We had to take our day off, mandatory day off. Uh, but we're going to get back after it here shortly. Um, and just this time of year, it's so much mental as it is physical. You know, you know, because you are you've gone through a, a lot of the season, gone through the grind, and at this point in the year, your every team has experienced something different. You're at a different – every team – you know, a lot of teams are at different spots this time of year. Some are at the top of the league. Some are at the bottom of the league. Some people are fighting still for an at-large. Some people are already automatic at-larges. Some people are completely out of it and have absolutely terrible seasons. And it's about everybody in the locker room, you know, right now coming together in the locker room and not worrying about what anybody else says or what, what were the expectations, what was this, what was that. We are where we're at right now. And you get to figure out what we're going to do next. That's life. That's life. We would love to be sitting here 25-0. and 0. That would be great. That would be unbelievable. Uh, but we're not. And so uh, is the world coming to an end? No, it is not. We've got, you know, we've got opportunities to come up to, to feel better about ourselves, to, to continue. But it's not about trying to prove anything to anybody else other than everybody in that locker room, you know, being better than we have been. And, that, you know, that starts with me. And I've told them that. So, uh, you know, that's yeah, I've been doing this. I've been playing the game my whole life. Sports. I've played sports my whole life. I've played, been coaching my whole life. You know, it's uh, it's a challenge. Some, you know, every, we're here kind of mid early February, and everybody there's 360 Division One teams, and everybody's you're either on cloud nine or you're trying to figure things out or you're, you know, or or your season's already over. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot still to play for. That's slew coach Travis Ford. Always appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sunday mornings. And you have a month of basketball at least uh, in front of you still to come and, and a lot more beyond that uh, if, you, if you play it right. And we appreciate you being with us on KMOX as always. Good luck. We got your game Tuesday, 8 o'clock tip against Archie Miller and Rhode Island on a Tuesday night at Chaffetz. Thank you so much, coach. Always enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Coach Ford with us on KMOX 1046. Chris Blair will break down NASCAR's clash coming up next from the Stiefel Sports Studio. Welcome back to the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Bill Schmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. And welcome back to the show. We're joined by the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway, Chris Blair. Always great to have him back on Sports on a Sunday Morning. I always like to make mention and disclose that I have a partnership with Worldwide Technology Raceway that I'm very proud of. I love working with Curtis Francois and Chris Blair on a number of projects just like the NASCAR Cup Series coming. Uh, We're uh, four months away, uh, Chris, actually Technically, four months was yesterday, but it is Sunday. Good morning. How are you? 
Well, thanks for reminding me about we're four months away. <laughs> but, uh, no, we're all really excited about it. Being out here, uh, we're out here in uh, L.A. Uh, right now uh, getting ready for today's clash at the Coliseum, and it's really got us all excited about it. We're going back with uh, some renewed energy and getting pumped up. And the one thing we keep hearing from everyone is how incredible last year's event was and how are we going to make it better for this year. So uh, and that's uh, and that's what we're here to do is uh, – just keep building and uh, uh, trying to take it to a whole new level. Yeah, it's exciting. It is the opener for NASCAR. And then I saw Joey Logano was talking to reporters yesterday. He's your defending champion of your race. I mean, what a great place to be and how much different does it feel to know you have one in the pocket? I mean, I know that you're going to try to sell this one out again and there's some pressure to do so and all of that, but to know that you are a NASCAR track, you know, you're not going in as the rookie this time. Uh, You've got one under your belt. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about it. And last year, we everything we were doing was going into the unknown on how just every approach, whether it was the marketing, all the way down to some of the finer details of the event day experience. And so this year, what we've been doing with all of our great team there at the racetrack is trying to determine what do we do very well, how can we build on that, uh, what are the areas that really need some improvement, what are things that we tried that didn't work. So. Uh, I always like to uh, say to our crew, you know, we tried a shotgun approach last year. We found that we made it work. Now this year, let's have some pinpoint accuracy on a lot of the things that we're doing so we can make it better. So uh, it's really shaping up the uh, what we're seeing from our crew, the cooperation we're getting from a lot of the agencies, uh, whether it's IDOT or the uh, state police, uh, everyone. We have a, a much better feel under our belt. So now we're going to go in and just try to keep fine-tuning what we're uh, producing. Yeah, there's so much stuff that goes into it, folks. I mean, you throw an event of that magnitude, that's the biggest event the Metro East has ever seen. And so you're talking about all the infrastructure and the traffic and food and drink and media accommodations and camping accommodations and parking and, and so much, and not not to mention uh, the logistics to get a race underway and then the racing itself which is what most people see. 95% of what people see is the racing itself. Uh, if you were to evaluate the racing itself in last mm-hmm. year's uh, Enjoy Illinois 300, what would you say? Oh, did we lose him? Oh, that's all right. We lost him. I, I, I'm i going to answer for Chris because we'll get him back on the phone. He would say, I was so busy that at the time I didn't watch the race, but then I went back and I watched it on TV and I think it was good. But at the time he was so busy making sure everything logistically was happening that he was not able to watch the, the oval itself. But I can tell you from my perspective, it was great. And when you have someone like Joey Logano step right in and say, this was great racing. Chris, I answered for you and I said, here's what Chris would tell me before you disconnected. And then you tell me if I'm right. I would say Chris would say, well, I didn't see the race initially because I was busy making sure that everything was working. But then I went back and watched it on TV and I think it was really good. Oh, it was incredible. And, you know, and and that was the one thing that we were, some of us were, were just wondering how it would play out. And I remember having a conversation with Kyle Bush before the race, and he was saying, you know, I don't really know how, how good of a show we're going to put on today. And then they went out, and the racing was incredible. A last lap move by Joey on a slide job pass of Kyle, and, and just all the stuff that led up to it, all the <clears throat> the beating and the banging and uh, the Ross Chastain and Ke- uh, Kevin Harvick and 
so many people making contact early on, it set up a lot of drama. So it was, it was really, really fantastic. I think it was a pleasant surprise, and I agree with you. It was a really great time. I think it was a pleasant surprise how good the Coliseum was. Uh, this is the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. This is going to be uh, fun again. I, I didn't know it was going to be that good. People were just thrilled about it. Well, that was the thing last year. Um, everybody had to be extremely conservative because the uh, – uh, the car, there wasn't a big inventory of parts and pieces. You know, we're going into a new car last year. So everybody had to be super conservative. <clears throat> well, now this year, they have a pretty good inventory. Uh, and as we even saw yesterday in qualifying, when guys were using part of the wall, beating and banging uh, to get their way around that tight little racetrack, it, it, the qualifying was really exciting. So I think going into it today with some of the folks that are in the mix and a lot of people have a lot of things to prove. I think it's going to be some tremendous racing, and uh, they really set the stage nice for this. They, you know, they made a few little tweaks from last year's track, and uh, everybody has some, uh, some experience under the belt on what to expect. And I think it's going to be, you know, a really exciting primetime show here in downtown Los Angeles. And speaking of the show, this is the last thing for you because I know you pay close attention to the entertainment aspect. And what else can you give the casual sports fan to attract them to NASCAR? How about this lineup: Ice Cube. Um, Cypress Hill, Wiz Khalifa, Cheat Codes, which is a DJ group, uh, Dixie D'Amelio, the Grand Marshal's Rob Lowe. But how about that lineup of uh, music and entertainment? Well, I was having breakfast with a friend of mine who works for NASCAR yesterday. He said, I never thought I'd have to end a, a meeting with you, Chris, but i got to run to the Wiz Khalifa sound check right now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of the things we never thought we'd be talking about in a race. But, yeah, it's an incredible lineup, and that's some of the things that we're looking at as we're preparing for the Confluence Music Festival. You know, we try to have an interesting, diverse lineup, and that's some of the things that we're working on that we'll be announcing in the weeks ahead. So we're taking that same approach of racing and entertainment and bringing them all together for you know, just a full weekend of uh, fun. Before we go, about a minute, how can people get tickets to your race, the Enjoy Illinois 300, on June 4th? Uh, you can just go to www.traceway.com or just visit uh, MetroTix, and tickets are available. And, again, like I said, we're going to be announcing our music lineups here in just a few days. So uh, we've got some major stuff coming. I would encourage people to get your tickets now and get ready because we are going to sell this thing out again. That's what our goal is. We're very aggressive again this year. And uh, so the earlier, the better for the best seats and the best experience. If you hear Chris Blair's voice on KMOX on Sunday morning, that means the warm weather's coming. Have fun in L.A. Enjoy yourself. We appreciate it very much. All right, Tom. Thank you so much. NASCAR Cup Series coming to St. Louis in four months, June 4th. We will come back with something else warm, and that is baseball. John Moselock at 1130. Jerry Palm at 1115. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 